Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. I want to read the scripture over again. I actually had a little more in James chapter 1. And I more or less wanted to cover verses 22 to 25 because what we read as a lesson, I actually did a little shortening of the lesson. Um, I'll be reading this from the Amplified Version. Um, But here, as it says, but the doers of the word obey the message and not merely merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he's like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in the mirror. For he thoughtfully observes himself and then goes off and promptly forgets what he looks like. But he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it and preserves in looking into it, being not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he shall be blessed in his life of obedience." And I read you James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. Um, the man in the mirror. It does sound familiar to a lot of people. There was a song, and it was, uh, this is one of my wife's favorite songs, among others. Um, and it talks about Michael Jackson and his song, The Man in the Mirror. The man in the mirror, as we all always know, that that could sometimes be us. It could sometimes be us be looking at ourselves, wondering who we are, what we are, who we're ever going to be. But in this case, the lyrics start as saying is, I'm going to make a change for once in my life. It's going to feel real good. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make it right. But when we do this, we have to actually look at ourselves and look at ourselves in such a way that we understand the selfish behavior that we live in our lives and the selfish behavior that we also portray, even as a Christian. Because we know that all Christians, not all the time, are always unselfish. We know that they're not always loving as they should be, as we should be, and as I should be. Um... So some of the things, so by looking into that mirror, what, what is it that you see? I want you to think about it. I want you to think about some of the things that you see. Um, it even came to my mind for those who have little compact mirrors in their, uh, in their purses or they got a phone in their pockets to just take your camera out, your mirror. We're going to do a selfie look, but we're not going to take the picture now. And just hold that camera up to yourself and just look at it and just always wonder and stare at it and wonder who I am. Because I know there's someone, someone at one point or another is wondering, who am I? What am I going to be doing? Is this what I should be doing? It's always a struggle, right? We also need to learn. But first, we must learn a few things about ourselves first. 
And we must ask ourselves, are we prideful? Do we only think of ourselves? Do we brag about what we do? Do we put down others? Proverbs 26 and 12 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope in a fool than it is for him. Hmm. How do you do that? How do we think we're wise in our own eyes? Because we always think that we know everything, but we don't know everything. Sometimes we're so hard-headed that we do not listen to others, and therefore that's where the pride comes in. So we understand that even as the Pharisees in Luke 18 describes himself as being a man of good upstanding, he's better than the tax collectors, better than the other people, the evildoers or the robbers. You know, he's better than them, but yet he's bragging about what he's doing and not what, what he should be doing. He knows the law, but he's not practicing the law. He knows God's word, but he's not practicing God's word. And a prideful person may know God's word, but he doesn't always practice these things, these words. So remember, to be prideful is something that we need to put behind us. That is not something that we want to see as we look in the mirror. So once again, I ask you, what is it that you see? Do you see a selfish person, someone who's only concerned about what he does, only what you want, how you want it, when you want it? (laughs) We all live the selfish lifestyle in one way or another. All right, I can't speak for y'all, but I'm going to speak for me. I was selfish, very selfish. I have a blanket at home. Don't touch it. I'm selfish. All right? (laughs) Don't laugh. I'm serious. (laughs) They will let you know. So I have to share, but not when it comes to my blanket. I'm selfish when it comes to my blanket. But I know that that's not the right way to be. So I do share a little bit. James 13, 16 tells us, For where we have an envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. So basically, there's no order in being selfishness. Selfishness is just a state of confusion that we all live in. Even though we think that we are right, when we look into ourselves, we think that we're doing fine. There is no confusion. Everything is perfect. But that's not the case. The case is that we are truly confused. We're truly being selfish. And being selfish was leads us to being prideful. And we don't need to do that. We seek anger out. As we do, we become angry. Leviticus 19 tells us, You shall not hate your brother in your heart. Hatred is poison that destroys us from within, producing bitterness that eats away out of our hearts. The longer you are bitter, the more hateful, the more angry you are. You take it out on others, but others can just look at you and walk away. You're the one who has to deal with this. You're the one who has to suffer through that hurt and anger. If you don't let it go, it will consistently eat you in, eat you up. Over the years, it will constantly bother you. You will never really sleep because it's always bothering you. It's always in the back of your mind. You're so angry, you're so hurtful that... You just don't know what to do. There's no relaxation or, or stillness in the mind. So how do you do it? An angry man stirs up strife. A hot-tempered and undisciplined commits many transgressions. I've always learned over experience that when you're angry, you don't always think about the things that you're doing. So you kind of... Um, 
you just don't care. You don't care whose feelings you hurt. You hurt anybody's feelings that's within arm reach or you or, you know, even across the room because you always have something to say. And you're not saying it in such a pleasing way because you're angry, you're hurtful. You don't know who to hate. You don't know why you're angry because probably at some time or another you even forgot about it. But anger and hateful turns back to selfishness and selfishness turns back to prideful. So we're still, in a sense, we're still looking at ourselves. Everything that we're looking at and seeing right now is within ourselves. So when we're prideful, selfish, and we're angry and hateful, that means we are cardinal living. We are totally living within the flesh. Only in the flesh. There is no other way about this, around this. I tried to find ways around this. I tried to find a word that will get around it, but when it comes to the word, you might as well forget it because it pinpoints it goes straight to the needle, to the tip of the needle. Um, Galatians 5, it tells us that it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Because repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Stinking thinking, your mind's just not right. Everything that you're doing is basically you're all consuming yet never satisfied for what you want. Your your temper is brutal and impotence to love, impotence to love or be loved. In other words, you can't do neither one. I should just make that plain and simple, huh? Wow. Living in, the, living in the flesh, when we think about how we live in the flesh, we are being prideful, we are being selfish, we're angry, and we're hurtful. So how do we get around this? How do you get to the point where you're not living cardinal, you're not angry and hateful at others, you're not being selfish towards others, you're not being prideful? Because even though we prideful, we tend to boast and brag, and boast and bragging leads to selfishness. And why that selfishness selfishness can be prideful, others can hate us, and therefore we can turn that anger and hatred back on them. But the bottom bottom line is, no matter how we live, no matter how we look at this, we're always living in the flesh. We're living for ourselves and only for ourselves. So I ask, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see pride? Do you see selfishness? Do you see a carnal lifestyle? You got to ask yourself, was it, what is it that I see in the mirror? What is it that I see? A lot of times when we look in the mirror, we always want to see what's pretty, what's beautiful. A lot of times we like when we set ourselves up in the morning, you know, we get up in the mirror, we look, we don't look too good. We want to put our best face forward before we go out the door. So... We do everything that we can to look our best as we go out the door. We put on our makeup, lipstick, we wash our face, you know, we get dressed before we go to school, we comb our hair, we do all these things just to make ourselves look better. When we live in a car on a lifestyle, are we really looking better? Are we really looking better than what we need to be or what we need to do? So I ask you. If you're not living a carnal life, what should that man look like? Better yet, what should I look like? Say to yourself, what should I look like? Should I live a carnal lifestyle? Should I look like the selfish man, the prideful man? No, that's not the person who you want to be. 
if you are a child of God, you want to live a life that is pleasing to God. You cannot live a life that is pleasing to God while you're living a life in the world. You're stepping over the, you're stepping over the bounds, so to speak. You got one foot in the, in the green grass and you got one foot in the green grass. Somebody will catch on to that later. So, but we can't be, we can't be hateful. So we have to have a heart of God. In Acts 13, it talks about how David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, he will do everything I want him to do. Now, this is what God says. This is what God says who David is. Now, when you think about David's life, you can really understand David's life by reading the book of Psalms. David does everything that he can possibly think of as he's in the book of Psalms and doing the things that he does. Because David is humble, respectful, trusting, loving, devoted, faithful, obedient, and repentant at the same time. Now, that's a man after God's own heart, because that's a man that God looks for. Because when you're being humble, you're not being prideful. You have a heart of God. You cannot have a heart of God and be prideful. It doesn't work. Not at all, no way, no how. He must love God's people. John 13 says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you would love one another. So that brings us back to the point that we're selfish. Now, being selfish, you can't love others. You don't think of others. So how do you be loving at the same time being selfish? Not possible that I don't know of or I don't think. God is a loving God. God is a just God. If God is loving and God is just, and you call yourself a child of God, shouldn't you be loving and just? Shouldn't you look at your fellow man with love? Shouldn't you not bring your fellow man up with love? Encourage him with the word, strengthen him with the word, and also give him the... Give him the courage to just stand up and to know who he is. Because when a man knows who he is, he knows that he's a child of God. He knows that he has a heart of God. He knows that he's trusting and loving. He's devoted to God. Because without following the man of God, you will falter. It's like being behind a leader. If the leader gives up and quit, Everybody else is going to give up and quit. Now, I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I need motivating. (laughs) If I'm following somebody and he quits, how am I going to be motivated? There is no way in the world that I can be motivated if he's quitting because we're like, darn, I thought he was a leader. He's the one that's supposed to bring us through the jungle. He's the one that's supposed to guide us and give us direction. But he's not doing that because he's sitting on the long, long sideline talking about, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll catch up with you. I can't follow that guy. And I suggest you don't either. God's man, a God after man's own heart, is a man that has God's spirit and whose fruit is of the spirit. 
which gives us love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. So I ask you, if you live in the Spirit, you should keep step with the Spirit. If you're living for yourself, you're in your own world, you're being selfish, you're being prideful, you don't care what happens to anyone. You're just by marching by your own tune. As they say, marching to the beat of a different drummer. And uh, Mike has seen that in action. He knows that doesn't work. Ain't that right, Mike? <laughs> so let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. But as I said before, learn to lift up one another. Learn to care for the things that God cares and love the way God loves. And continue to have a heart after God. Now, that's what we know that a man of God should look like. And we also know what a man of God should not look like. So you say, Brother Gaiman, how can we change? What is it that we need to do to change? And I will ask you, have you looked into the mirror? Because unless you looked in the mirror, I can't honestly tell you how to change. Because looking in the mirror causes us to be honest and truthful with ourselves. You know, I can look in the mirror all day long and see gray hairs. And I can tell you all day long, I don't have gray hairs. <laughs> so somewhere along the line, I stepped away from that mirror and I truly forgot what I looked like. I look young, but I'm old. I look young, but I feel old. My bones hurt. But thanks to a leave, I don't feel old. So. But honestly, that's, that's what we can say. I mean, I can tell you that's just it right there. You can look in the mirror and walk away, and you forget everything that you know, everything that you've been told, because you just don't know who you are. You have not deeply looked into God's word to understand what it is that you need to see as you look into the mirror. One of the ways that we can look into the mirror and that we can change as a man brings us back to Romans 10, chapter 9, verses 9 through 10. Excuse me, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Now, this is the easy part in some way, but we don't always believe it's the easy part because somehow we find it a struggle even just to go this route, even just to do this, to make a change. Because we still think about ourselves, we still want to be selfish. But Jesus tells us, if we believe in your heart and that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. To be a man of God, to be in the body of God, to be a child of God, there must be salvation. I can tell you all day long that I'm a Christian, that I'm a child of God, but we know if I get do that, then I'm the guy looking in the mirror. And then that brings me back to being prideful, selfish, angry, hateful, cardinal, and cheap. Because we know that in that aspect, there is no way in the world that you can do the things that God does. You cannot love the thing God does if you're not of God. It takes a child of God to do those things. Just think about before you even hit that part of your life where you decided to commit your life to God. 
Yeah, you did good sometimes. Yeah, you helped others sometimes. You pushed people out the way all the time. But <laughs> but sometimes, you know, you, you just you're not you're not there yet. You just don't know the things of God. You try, you hear other people talk about God, and you know, well, why is he so happy? You know, I don't know why he's happy. But there's a reason for that. Because that God decides to look in the mirror and change his life. Now, the hard part comes in the transformation. Now, we can look in the mirror all day long. We can see ourselves. We understand that this is where we are. But this is where we need to be. Okay? Now, we got one foot in the green grass and we got the other foot in the greener grass. Still, we are not where we need to be. All right? So somehow we need to find, to find a way to transfer from green to green green. Now, green green is true life. Life never fades. The love never fades. It's always there. The grass is always green. We put our heart and our efforts and our minds into it. We do everything that we can do, need to do to get that grass green. Because people tell you, oh, I weed, I water, I do this, I go by the moon, I set the stars, I set my clock. You're doing a lot. I'm going to just cut the grass and go in the house. That's all I'm going to do. I'm not, I'm not all into that, you know, green grass and weeding and, you know, this is Bahia, this is, you know, I don't know. I go down the road every day. How do you know that? what kind of tree that is? Oh, well, the tree is here and this is that. In fact, here's a good example. Earlier this week, we were talking about how the pollen is so bad out there. And last week, my wife tried to cover up their, her back porch with some stuff. And, you know, what you doing? I wanted to keep the pollen out. You can't keep pollen out. Pollen is everywhere. And as I looked and asked him, well, how do you know the pollen is there on the trees? Well, he said, look at the tip of the trees. You see that tree there? It doesn't have this. Look at that tree there. It has this. That's how you know. So when you know you're on the green grass, you're doing the things that you need to do. You're on the spot where you need to be. Love is good. Love is kind. These are all the things that God is. These are the things that we put forth our effort. So when we put all that effort into that green grass, just think when we put all that effort into Jesus, how much our lives would change. You know, we don't have to worry about, we don't have to worry about the water because the water is always given to us. It's always fresh. Always fresh. But we need to understand that transformation needs to take part in our mind. I cannot tell you that I want my grass green if I don't put in my mind that I want to do the things to get my grass green besides cutting it and weed eating and waiting for it to rain that never does for three months. And then I can't say, well, my grass isn't isn't getting green. Well, did you water your grass? Nope. I'm waiting on Mother Nature. Doesn't happen that way. So you have to know, you have to do that. That transformation, that transformation is the big word here, is the real big word. I cannot transform my mind into the cardinal world, into the world of God in the spiritual world, if I am not willing to change my mind. 
If I never, ever change my mind, no matter much practice or no matter what I do, my mind will not change. If your mind is going to change, who are you looking at in the mirror? Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. I love that. Your heart is a stone. You're hateful. You're prideful. You're selfish. Your heart is a stone. But when you come to God, you make that transformation. You have a new heart, a new spirit. There is no heart of stone. You're loving. You learn that you cry about things that you would never, ever cry about before. You have feelings where you thought there was none. You care for the people that you thought you would never care for. That's transformation. That is transformation. We have to renew our mind, people. We have to be transformed. There is no way to be a child of God and be living like God and loving as God does his people. Because, hey, we know that it's very hard to love one another. We know it's very hard to love our family members. Sometimes we want to shoot them ourselves. But we can't do that because we don't want to spend our time in jail. But we just want to love our family. Love them from a phone call. Love them from a phone call. That's the best thing. Now, the third thing that we need to do once we become a child of the kingdom and we make up our minds that we want to transform, we have to put that into practice. I can say I love. I can say I give. I can say I care. But if I don't set it in my mind as I make that transformation, I cannot put that to application. I cannot apply those terms and those words to that phrase or sentence. Because then it goes back to application, goes back to be doing. Doing, doer, transformation, making a change. How do I do? What do I do? How do I clear this up? Make a change and put it into practice. Throughout the word of God, it tells us everything that we need to do in life, everything that we can do in life to make our lives better. Unfortunately, and it's sad to say, but it's the truth. We have this. We have 20 different copies, 20 different versions, but we don't always read this like we should. We don't always apply it as we should. How can you say that I'm a man or a child of God or a woman of God as you look in the mirror, but there's no Bible with you. You can't, because that word needs to be with you. Not only does it need to be with you, it needs to be in you. When you transform your mind, your mind, your mind, your mind, your mind, that changes in you. You want that change. You want that change to be part of you. You want to make that change. And the only way we can do that is through application. For those who are led by the Spirit of our God, of God, are the children of God. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, gift is, that is grafted in him, joined to him by faith as him, as in him as Savior. He is new. He is a new creature, reborn and renewed. I should have did this in 16 font. You know, you know I told you I can't read when it's... <laughs> That's a sidebar for me and Bonita. 12 font is no good. <laughs> He's a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. And that's the important part right there. A new creature who is reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. Once we become a child of God and make that transformation, there is a helper. And that is that Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit will help consistently guide us to change our ways, to change from the old to the new. It becomes a spiritual awakening which gives us new life, new understanding. How many times have you even thought about something, you heard something, or you might have read it in the Bible, and you'd be like, oh, oh. Now, as I call it to my wife when I talk to her and I read something that I've never seen, I said, baby, I just read it. Say what? I had one of the moments that I'm telling you, bam, it's, it's there. Say what? That's when you know the Spirit is bringing the word out to you. It's bringing it to you. But please, whatever you do, apply what you have learned after the transformation. And after the transformation, or before the transformation, become a child of God. You cannot become a child of God if there's no salvation. There's no transmission, transformation or application. It needs to be done. There's no hits, hands, or buts about it. There's one thing that I don't do or I never play around with is when it comes to the Word of God. I'll clown all day long about everything else, but when it comes to the Word of God, I'm serious. And as I stress to you, in the lyrics of Michael Jackson, it says, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change no I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, then take a look at yourself and then make a change. Who are you looking at in the mirror? Who do you see? I would ask you, what do you see? But I ask, what is it that you want to see? Do you want to see that man after God's own heart? Loving, caring, and kind. But if you need to make these things clearer, you can make that change. You can make that change. Any questions? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm the done today's message, people. I would thank you for your listening and your time. As we stand on our feet, <laughs> as we stand to our feet, there may be someone here today that hasn't had a relationship with God 
who never has or who may want to. I know sometimes you find it hard or difficult to just come at you, come to the front, but a lot of times we ask you to come to the front because when you do, they're knowing that we can rejoice, but the angels can help rejoice with you. But if we can't do that, can you bring up um, the salvation message, please? So what we're going to do, we're going to repeat after the words that's on the screen. And it says, Lord Jesus, I believe that you were raised from the dead. Thank you for your promise of mercy, pardon, and eternal life. I acknowledge my sins, shortcomings, and failures. I ask for forgiveness and would like to receive Jesus as my Savior today. Now, if you have said that and believe with your own mouth and your own heart and your own mind, welcome to the family. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.